Welcome to the Summer Rewind of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev, where we are rewinding back to some of our favorite moments from our previous seasons. Let's get it. I mean, we're just ready for the benediction at this point, because... Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it all, and you 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 knocked it out of the park. I mean, honestly, this book one is a delicate topic. So, as I talk about it, I like to watch what words you know I'm using. I think one of the things that the author talked about was, let me say this: she was utilizing words that I think society does not use, but we know about. So it's about putting a word to like what's out there. To be honest. I have not really read a book on this subject matter and in this magnitude. So it really was like a one-on-one. And I, I literally wrote that down. It was a one-on-one when we talk about, and it's not, it, it, it isn't a end-all, be-all. You're not going to find everything on feminism and patriarchy, but it's like a starter because it, it gives you like that foundation of like, you know, all these things that we do. Hey, this is where this was birthed from. This is, this is how it affects. And to your point, it, it's not, it's not that men are from what I gathered, it wasn't, it's not men who, who are solely responsible for creating it. And they're not the ones that's keeping it going. So it, it this covered a lot. And it just opened my eyes to a lot of things that we do in society, a lot of things that I do, a lot of a lot of things that come out of my mouth, things that I have said today, things that I have said in the past. And now I'm somewhat like just being more mindful of, to your point, just re- rearing like men rearing women the whole thing with the marbles it's just kids playing yeah but we we put in our own thoughts and opinions on it and we're shaping like who they become hmm this book it was it was more than what (laughs) i thought it was gonna be i i think Runner was the only one who he just knew what this was gonna be about. Oh yeah, he he I, knew, I, but he ain't even he ain't even hit, get us hip to the game though, cause he, did, he, he sat did. back he sat back and watched us sweat this whole time, the whole time. I literally felt You're like welcome, damn it. I felt <laughs> like he he said that you know he has sat in one of her classes. I felt that I was sitting in one of her classes while you because to be to be truthful, I bought the book, so I was reading it. Then I went to audio. I kept going back and forth. Audio book, audio book. Why? I don't know. But that's just what I was doing on, on this particular one. I'll try to cover um, some of the other things that you kind of talked about, um, just more anecdotes that she put in a book, which I thought was a bit heavy. Um, you know, sometimes I don't read the, the preface of the book, but it just all depends. If I'm like, I want to be nosy. I'm like, let me peek in here. What are they, what are they talking about in the preface? And, you know, she talked about, to, to a certain extent, like her relationship with her dad. Um, I recall in a book, she, she said, or she was, maybe she was telling a story about how her dad got a heart attack and he's laying in the, the yard in the garden and basically they're calling the cops. And she said, this was the first time she felt like that close to her dad. 
And this was the first time she was like holding her dad without being in fear. And I just, I was like, wow. So you telling me as, as your dad is taking his last breaths and he's going to another place, it's like in death, you felt closer than, to him than, than you did in life. And it, you know, I, I felt like this preface was a good introduction to what was going on because I think she also talked about how in some instances, death was a way out of fear, which stemmed a little bit from wait until your father comes home. And that's as kids, you know, that that's when you started to be fearful of specifically your dad. It's just like, and in this book, you know, I'm just going to be honest. I love my dad. I really do. My dad has taught me a lot of good lessons. I don't think I could be the man that I am today, like without my dad. But I, I did see a lot of stories. I saw like my dad in it. And I know like my dad used to work like overnight. So I used to see my dad, my dad, we, he would work typically from eight, 8 PM to like six or 7 AM. So it was basically like flip. My dad was coming home. We was going off to school. And literally, when you talk about wait till your dad gets home, like that's what it was. If, if my mom told me wait till my dad get home, it wasn't to say hi. It wasn't to help me out with no homework. <laughs> you know, if you was in a black old, black household, you know exactly what that meant. Um, but yeah, I thought she started the book off uh, very intentional. And it, it really was a good introduction to what was about to be um, said or just the story she's about to tell. Uh, I thought it was also very real when she said a lot of women, like you, you live in this uh, patriarch type of environment for so long that you, you're scared to kind of like go off and like do, do your own thing for the lack of a better words. And as a result, you stay and you live in almost like this fantasy that everything is going to get better. Life is going to get better or you, you, you make up in your mind, like, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's, it's a lot of like women that's living unhappy lives because they just don't know what life will be without it. Like, they have grown up for so long wanting this, wanting this protector, wanting this head of the household, wanting like somebody who will be there uh, for them. They don't, they don't have to worry. And then to see how that plays out, it's almost like you regretting like those decisions. But a lot of Will and Jada moments in this joint, man. Like real talk. You lot of will, so? Oh yeah, a lot of Will and Jada Moe because this is why. Because um, one of the pieces that she kind of discussed in the book was the acceptance of women um, into the system where they want protectors, you know, they want the tough guy. They want the bad boy. Like we've heard this, we've heard this in our own camps. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. yo, the, the nice guy finishes last. Mm -hmm. You know, the nice guy's corny. It's the badass that you know Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know, that can yeah, same thing. Russell Wilson future, right? right. It's, the, it's the nice guy that's corny, and the corniness um doesn't equate to be a protector or mm -hmm. security, right? Mm -hmm. But 
uh, Mike Tyson protected security, right? Different lifestyles, but the perspective is, oh, well, I'm, I'm safer with Mike Tyson than I am with Russell Wilson. Perspective. Perspective, right? And, and, she's, and she keeps hitting at it because she's not letting women off the hook in this joint. Now, mind you, she ain't letting men off the hook, but she ain't letting women off the hook in this joint because they, they reinforce the narrative that, um, you know, you got to be, you got to be tough. You got to be hypersexual. Um, you got to get a lot of money. You got to, you got to, you got to like put, have certain outcomes to solidify and certify your masculinity. And, and you know what's funny about that i thought it was kind of like an ouch moment in the book when she said some of the <laughs> some of the people who essentially they do this the worst are single mothers i was like ooh, and that and that was a trigger for me because in was... my own experience like i've seen it like you know my mother my mother real rap was way harder on me than my sister but it was harder like trying to make sure that i'm I'm prepped for the world. Right. But to and 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 Bell Hooks talks about this for a young boy to be prepped for the world, you have to be able to shut it off and shut down and be hard and hardened. And like towards the end of the book, she talks about how like all little boys love the incredible hulk. Mm-hmm. Then she kind of she kind of broke down what the incredible hulk was. You know, when when he was a person of color and he was green. He was a enraged psychopath, smashing everything. When he was Bruce Banner, he was a mild-tempered white man who was a researcher, non-threatening, way about the world. But in both instances, because he was Bruce Banner and the Hulk, he had to kind of disconnect himself from society and from love and from compassion and kind of walk down this very isolated and narrow path. And when you think about it as men, like, yo, men cry in the dark, man, why? Because it's constantly reinforced. Don't show your emotions because you're punk. Don't show your emotions because you soft. Don't show your emotions because um, people might take advantage of you. Right. And then you become a man that has a, a, another child or a daughter or a son. And this is what you're teaching them as children. And so the cycle perpetuates itself constantly because like it's historically it's ingrained in us. And I would say my last thought, you know, run on definitely. Um, you can go from there. I, one of the things that is, is interesting because I felt like she made really good points. And, you know, as a future father, when I think about raising kids, I want to raise my kids right. You know, I want, I want to raise them to be good human beings, to be able to explore. And when, I, when I'm talking about explore, I'm meaning from a standpoint of like, you know, if my son don't want to play football, you can play, I don't know, lacrosse, hockey, baseball, like whatever it is, like not, you know, sometimes like with black, it's like basketball, football, track, like that's it. Letting them being able to decide, or maybe you don't want to play sports, like that is okay. But being being able to support them in whatever they want to do. At the same time, 
I do think about my kids being out there with wolves. I want to make sure that you know how to hold your own. And it, it is such a fine line of when, uh, and when we talk about raising kids and even reading this book, there are so many things that this author says that's right, but it's like a machine that has been built and it's like, do I, do I just ignore it or do I kind of prepare, but also say like, Hey, this is the full spectrum. But when kids are so young, like they, they can't see that big picture. And I feel like as a parent, like that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, Hey, you know, like, don't touch the stove. Like it's hot. You will get burnt instead of, Hey, go out, do whatever. And it, it ends up causing them more harm than it is like helping them in the long run. Yo, so, as a father, man, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because the machine is bigger as, as, you know, as, as we become more uh, advanced technology wise, um, access to information, the machine hits children social media, television, YouTube, friends at school, TikTok, all of this shit constantly. So as a father, I get it because you want to protect your child and you want your child to be able to say, all right, either call wolf or shoot a wolf. Like, the, I mean, the, the analogy is kind of morbid, but Internally, as parents, you think, all right, you're doing that to protect your child when you might be handicapping your, handicapping your child, which yeah. is kind of ill. So I don't, I don't think she was trying to give answers to it. But to your point, Jeff, it scared me because I'm just like, yo, I, I understand what you're saying. But, yo, it's killers in the street for real. <laughs> it's wolves in the street for real. And unfortunately, as black men, we are susceptible to those wolves on different levels. So what do you do, Brother Jay? I, um, one of the first quotes that uh, I was reading and had to like rewind while I was listening, had to rewind and hit the clip button was, um, was talking about how women could not seduce, control, or entice men to share their emotions to love us. And I thought that was very profound. Like, to think that you could seduce someone to share their most inner thoughts or feelings. Like, you, you had to manipulate someone to share what they were honest to, honestly feeling that that was that was intriguing to me and like we haven't even gotten to the part about sex oh yeah yeah that that was that was a man that's like a, another conversation for another day that like it was so heavy and so like as i slowly got away from that was page 1 right i just grabbed my book off the shelf and i looked it was literally page 1 I was like, okay, after that introduction or the preface, like, all right, cool, this, this ain't going to be a Sunday kind of reading. I was really intrigued with um, how it was merged. Like, it was an equal opportunity book. Like, everybody got their life handed to them in this. 
And just when you thought she was going to stay in one lane, she's like, uh-uh, nope, you got too comfortable. Let me bring it back over here. Um, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's one of the things where I said, I'm definitely going to have to go back and reread it to process it um, a chapter at a time. I started doing that and then I had to keep going back. And then when I looked at the calendar, I was like, no, I got to get to the end. Um, but my first copy of the book, I had so many notes around and annotating everything. It was like, mm, let me go get another one so I can actually read it the next time, or maybe I'll get the Kindle version. But there was so many things, bro. Like I can't even, I can't even begin to choose. Um, like one thing to really hone in on it overall, like as a collective, this book forced you to be reflective and it also forced you to make a decision to change. It forced you like you, you had, you, you, you had no choice, but to accept what was written, processed, reflect, and then make a move. You had no choice. You 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 could not remain in the same state. And if you did, I'm sorry for you. It was an altar call. Uh, yeah, yeah, real yeah. rap, and, real and, rap. And you you had to go up to the altar at that point because everybody's eyes was open and was looking like there's only one person left. Like it was like, oh shit, you must be. I'll do you ready. one better. I, I I don't think it was. A, I think it could have been an altar call, but I think it was a confessional. Mm. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> But it and it was each each hell multiple times within each chapter there was a call to action. Yeah. And and it wasn't that she like inserted the call to action. I think she was just breaking it down in the best way she knew how. And I think that was just conviction. Not not because it was your fault, right? Not because it was your intention. But this is what you were just exposed to. Yep. Like yep. one of the quotes that I wrote down um, was like, we can't heal what we don't feel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I mean, I'm in for a ride, right? I, my ride from the office that day did not seem long at all. And wounded men are not often able to say anything positive. Healing does not take place in isolation. You have to be intimate with yourselves, learn to feel and to be aware of their feelings and that men are on the path to love when they choose to become emotionally aware. We didn't start as men, right? And I'll speak personally. I don't recall having conversations about emotions until college. I, I would I would second that, brother Jay, but I'll keep it a book just from my own life. I really didn't have conversations about the importance of men being emotionally available mm. until really the probably the last couple of years, just trying to make sure my son was straight through COVID, through uh family members passing away. Mm -hmm through uh, the transition at middle school, 
trying to fit in at middle school, um, helping him express his emotions without the outcome being him getting into a fist fight at school or him like showing out and putting extra sauce on things to like, like escalate the smoke, <laughs> elevate the smoke. It didn't happen to me until really recently, but cause I never thought about it in the context of what do I need to be emotionally available so that I can love better or love mm. more. It was more so like, damn, I kind of already chalked it up that I was somewhat slighted in the head. I don't want my son that be in that same situation. And so it's important to try to, we gonna break this shit now in terms of like uh, family ties and healing and trying to ensure that uh, he has the tools that he needs to kind of, and Jeff, you hit it, to be kind, yeah, to be compassionate, um, to be respectful, of course, but to be okay with giving of himself and loving himself and loving others. And that don't make you soft. That don't make you a punk. That don't make you less of a man. If anything, it makes you more of a man. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the, the areas or the, the, yeah, the areas um, of concern dwell in the fact that the individuals who were perpetuating this cycle were never taught anything different. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not excusing their behavior. But yeah, like I said, college was the first time. I, I mean, we, we learned about what emotions were in, in school, but that was like surface level. And we just, we just skipped past it. Um, Don't cuss when you're angry, Ronald. <laughs> Stuff like that, right? Like, yeah. if, if you're mad, you got to figure out how to, like, channel your anger. Yep. Right? So play, we talk Play a sport. Yeah, yeah we, play a sport. <laughs> we, we talked about feelings, but we didn't talk about the ability to emote and to recognize the difference between the feelings and the emotions and how both of those can take you over and under if you are not careful. We never really had that conversation. And um, when I started teaching on the college level, I remember the facial expressions or the eyes of most of the men in my class when we started talking about stuff. And I was an individual, like as an instructor, I'm going to dig until I get the answer that I'm looking for. You can give me a surface and I'm just going to peel back the layer a little bit. And eventually you're going to give me more and I'm going to peel that layer back because my job is to force you to think more than what you've been thinking before you met me. To continue listening to Bourbon and Books, The Will to Change, check out season four, episode 31 of the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev, available on all streaming platforms. Stay cool and be like.